listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. Have you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? <laughs> Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardians. Hi, welcome to this week's Retro Guardians. I'm Ben. I'm Jay, welcome. Once again, I thought we would do something a bit more obscure with a movie review, so Jay and I have decided to go with the film Evil Speak from 1981. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I um, I actually found the this uh, movie on a, on a webpage talking about um, movies containing old tech, old computer stuff, which I love, so that's how I found it, watched it a couple of years ago. I'd heard of the title, but I really didn't know too much about it until I saw the documentary In Search of Darkness, and there's a really good mention mm. of it in there and there's some really good mentions of other movies on there if you're worth um taking a look at just for that reason um it does star the one and only clint howard younger brother of ron howard yeah and i think this was one of clint's first big sort of adult roles clint had done a lot of kid stuff like his brother during the 60s and the 70s but by this point i think he was moving into more sort of adult roles and um I do believe, like with his brother, they both went bald very young. Mm. So for a lot of his earlier roles, including his role in The Wraith, he's wearing a toupee. And I was just reading on the bit of the trivia for this, this movie, the producers forced him to buy one out of his own pocket. Normally when you are doing a film like this, it's a part of the budget to do things like that, and he yeah. had to forced to do it himself. So this one goes in a very different direction in terms of it starts in Spain in the 1500s and then cuts to modern day. Um, it doesn't actually say where it, it's set in the modern day context, but it's 1981. And it's set at a sort of private military cadet school. And a particular boy, Howard, is being uh, bullied for not doing good enough on the soccer field. The team, I think, falls behind and loses by a couple of points and they blame him for it, all the players on the, on the side blame him for it. And for punishment of letting the team down, some of the administrative um, officers force him to clean out a, a basement in a nearby, um, that, their main church. Yeah. And there's a custodian who's a bit drunk and tells him just to do something. And while he do does that, he comes across something that appears to be an old temple that supposedly is connected to the original founder, who was, I believe, exiled for practices of the devil and well you can guess what uh, uh, occurs from this point onwards but it was one of the first movies of that period and jay you can correct me if i'm wrong here that it it was a commodore 64 correct yeah correct yep yep and i think we mentioned that back in our c64 40th anniversary episode we spoke about the movies that that computer console appeared in and this was definitely one of them yep but i think and as we talk about the movie um the, the what they've used the Commodore 64 
um, for in this movie is definitely something that it couldn't have done back in the day. It was him going on, it looked like online, basically, on the internet and researching satanic um, rituals and stuff on the on, online to tell him how to do it. It's um, Latin, right? It's yeah. Latin there's a bit of something. AI in there as well and stuff. And, you know, we're talking 1981 here, like the internet barely existed, let alone um, having all this countless uh, online content on rituals. And, yeah, so that was a bit, bit fake, uh, very fake. Yes, so he um, he he gets preceded to literally get bullied more and more by this group of kids, mm. his fellow classmates, and the more he's pushed, the more he sort of delves into looking into these black texts, and therefore it sort of it, it the more he does it, the more this this whatever it is, it it, it he has a name, um, the Esteban, main, yeah, Esteban, he um he awakens more and more with more more things going wrong with this kid mm. and i mean it has a list of like things he needs to do to wake in esteban and um mandrake root and and unholy water and a whole heap of things like that it actually gives you a list like jay said and yeah suddenly it appears on the screen properly <laughs> i'm like how the hell would that yeah. be there but um, we remember back in 81, like particularly the Commodore 64 was what's known as an air-gapped system. So air-gapped means it doesn't go anywhere beyond the, the computer. I don't think there was any networking functionality for it back then. So anyway, that's beyond the point. It was cool cool to watch. Barely but, 10K? Yeah. <laughs> Barely 10K in those days? Yeah, that's it. So how could it bring up all that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, suspension of disbelief, definitely, if you know technology. Mm-hmm. But it definitely fits into more the bullion group who yeah. uh, push someone too far and they enough's enough sort of situation yeah. very similar to Kerry very similar to um Prom Night 2 Hello Mary Lou and a few of those other films Firestarter yeah well, not so much no. but yes along the lines when when mm. someone's been pushed enough yeah and they awaken something they shouldn't do um, also, one of the, the bullies in the in the movies played by Don Stark. Don, for a lot of people out there, would go on to play um, Bob in the neighbor in that '70s show, and I believe with the 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 '90s show, which is about to reappear shortly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a reappearance on that too. And he went on to play a lot of like dra- dramatic sort of comedy roles in his mm-hmm. career, especially during the '90s and the early 2000s. I knew him more for those kind of roles. So to see him here, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I can't believe how thin he is because he's a pretty big, big guy, mm. a bit of a buttercake bowl, but uh, or buttercake, but he definitely pulled the whole nasty um, bully off very well. Mm. And I just reading up here as well, Jay, that um, he deliber- him and Clint deliberately stayed away from each other, yeah, while yeah, filming. T- so the animosity is believable, and it is, mm. yeah. At some point within the movie, he he comes across a. A, uh, I think it's a homeless dog that's had puppies, and he takes one of the puppies and he puts it in the yeah. um, in in the sort of den, I suppose you'd call it, or the um, the the temple that's underneath the church, and they go in there partying these kids, and one of the kids kills the dog, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the, the moments that it pushes him beyond the limit. He's had enough. Yeah, I don't like that when that happens in movies. Yeah, we we never actually see it happen, folks. No. It's all implied, but. Also, he's he found a book that was down there, and then it was taken off him and thrown in a bin when he had to see the principal or the um, the colonel. And by the way, this film was full 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 of a couple of very prominent character actors during the nineteen uh, sort of late sixties to early early nineties characters like R. G. Armstrong. Most people will remember him 
as the colonel in Predator at the start that talks to Schwarzenegger. He was very prominent in a lot of westerns, specifically from the late 50s onwards. And um, one other one I've got to quickly mention, and I've just asked Jay if I'm saying this correctly, Charles China. China? China. China, yeah. He was in a lot of movies, most obvious one I can say was in the original Longest Yard with um, Burt Reynolds. He's always sort of a snidely little sort of ferret kind of character that you don't trust as far as you can throw him. But he did a lot of films, and I believe he died in his 90s. But he was in so many films, specifically in the 70s and the 80s. I think, like, like out of 10 movies, he would appear at least four of them or in five of them mm. and did a lot of work. I mean, I mean, you, I think he's even in Jeremiah Johnson in one scene with, um, with um, Robert Redford, just one mm. scene, and you'd know him straight away. Um, I can't think of any others that's straight off the top of my head, but you know him if you saw him type. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, Cool Hand Luke, that was the other one I was trying to think of. Yeah, he, he's always in the background sort of roles in that. And like I said, he lived to be in his 90s. So both him and RG, and I think RG lived to be in his late 80s as well, even maybe his early 90s. So they did a lot of work. So it was that period of time when work was most provident in horror. So it was a lot of work. Like It may not have got a lot of money, but it wasn't been a lot of options there. So, like, oh, just that's a week's work. I'll take it there. Yeah. I mean, early 90s, there you go. He was early 90s as well. There you go. So that's good innings. So, um, I do believe um, one of the other kids in it, um, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe he would go on to be a, a voice actor, uh, Laurie Lesnar, and he's most famous for voicing Robin in the early 90s Batman. And um, just, yeah. What was his name? Lauren Lester, uh, Charlie Boy. Okay. Just click on him, Joe. double-checking i think he is yes he is he's he's very famous for doing a lot of voice acting he still does television and that but i saw the name and i thought i wonder if that's who i'm thinking of and i've heard his voice a lot over the last 30 years so everyone has to get a start somewhere i mean that was one thing i remember asking my mother once why was kevin bacon in the original friday the 13th why was um jamie lee in halloween the original why was um holly hunter in I think it was the burning, you know, and my mother answered out loud, well, they've all got to start somewhere. And just for all you um, ladies out there who are fans of Jennifer Aniston, one of her first films was, I believe, Leprechaun, which is something she doesn't like to talk about out loud these days. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. but um, everyone's going to get to start somewhere, and I think even Mr. Hank, Tom Hanks got to start on a horror movie, I believe, during the, the early 80s. So, I mean, work is there, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, we're not proud, but... Let's just get on with it. Mm. So that was another a sort of example. I mean, I mean, if you've got to do it, you've got to do it. And I believe they're not right raking in the money, so they've all got bills to pay, so swallow your pride and get on with it. I mean, there was a lot of those kind of films. And this, this film definitely fits into that calibre of those kind of movies of that time period. It does end with a big explosion and a big um, blood and guts hurrah that all the the, the um, bullies are dispatched, including several of the officers who didn't believe him that what the kids were doing to him. Yeah, that was quite a um, interesting death scene, wasn't it? That was in the church, wasn't it? Yes. Everyone yes. gets ripped apart and blown to bits. It was and pigs <laughs> somehow pigs come into yeah. it. Folks. The pigs' involvement in this movie was bizarre. I found that weird, but yeah. 
I think that had something to do with the cult. Had to yes. S- like, yeah. I did. There's a Killer scene, pigs. Yeah, there was a scene with the secretary finds the black book and she takes it home with her and she has a shower and suddenly mm. the pigs burst the shower over. Of course, she's completely naked on the, on camera mm. and they, they, they eat her. And I, I'm just reading that the... <laughs> It um, that's where a lot of the um, censorship sort of went mm. out and for. So that that scene got heavily cut, according to Clint in an interview. That was one of the big scenes that got cut heavily. And then suddenly the book just disappears. Mm. It's on the um, the counter and it just disappears and suddenly reappears back in the temple. They actually refer to them online. They're not pigs. They called them demonically spawned boars. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Okay, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Strange. So, Jay, where would you put this in sort of... What kind of film is it? Is it? Mm. What would you call that? I, it's, uh, yeah, I guess it's got elements of horror, but I think it's also got... It's sort of that um, superstitious sort of uh, satanic type of movie, you know, like... Um, yeah, I think it's got a lot of that sort of vibe with it. Well, the thing I've got to say out loud, once, like... Like Carrie and some of the other films, you really feel for the main guy. You really yeah. feel, and you understand why he's doing it. You don't agree with it, yes, or want to admit out loud. You empathise with, with his yeah. predicament. Yeah, you yeah. sort of feel for him. Yeah, being bullied, and yeah, he just he just cracks it one day, and um, enough's enough. Yep, yeah, yeah. So you understand where he's so coming from. What's very interesting, we don't see what actually happens to him at the end, but there is a text that appears on the screen, done like a computer. Yeah. That says he's been committed to an asylum asylum mm. for what happened. We don't know fully. And it, then it sort of implies that the the, the, the evil is still out there. Mm. So, I mean, it definitely was a product of its time. It's very early 80s. Um, one of the things about that period in time I always noticed, especially with it, is the camera work. Some of the camera sort of... That changed after the mid-80s. I don't know. Maybe they just because there were independently made movies that the camera, you know, the camera look was a bit different. But um, definitely a product of its time. Definitely some of the sequences hold up very well, I reckon. Mm. I mean, some of the effects work was spent very well. But um, it was it was made in California in several locations. The church was a derelict church in South Central, which burnt, they burnt it down after, I think, they finished filming. Yeah, yeah. So... Like I said, you definitely see, once again, like one of the earlier reviews we had before with with um, The Dead Pit, you can see where the money was spent. Mm. Yeah, a lot more, a bigger budget than our last review for Dead Pit, definitely. Well, close to a million dollars, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, in 81, too. Wow. Dead Pit was 89. So, yeah, a million bucks in 81. You can you can tell that they, they were spending more money. Um, and it was shot over three weeks, too. Oh, that's unbelievable. Mm. And I guess the effects side of it... Um, were fairly sort of minimal throughout the movie until you got to the end. Yes, yes, um, it was that lead up until that mm. we get to the end and it's balls to the wall. Yeah, and and the, the scenes like in the underground um, lair or whatever you want to call it um, in the, the cellar. The atmosphere for that was really the good. Atmosphere though. was awesome, wasn't it? And yeah. I, I don't know if they would have needed to have done much to set that up. I think they've just literally found this maybe in the old um, church, perhaps, and they've they've just used it. I don't know, but it looked really good. It looked believable and very um, very real. It be- you believed it hadn't been touched in a very long time. Yeah, it had that vibe, didn't it? Yeah. Yes, and that worked really well. But yeah. Um, yeah. But it's definitely sort of in the terms of the technology side of it, yeah. I think it was, um, according to what one of the other guys said, they were trying to push Commodore 64s, so that's why they put it in the movie. Yeah, it was right smack bang in the middle of the Commodore 64s um, period of 
popularity. So yeah, I, I don't know whether it was sponsored there or not, but I think it definitely was that age where computers were new and this modern thing. And they're um, people like, okay, well, what can computers do? Let's let's depict them in a movie in a really far out way where he can type stuff into it and it comes back with an AI type of knowledge on what he should do next in his, um, you know, his possession or whatever he's doing there. Um, his ritual, sorry. But um, yeah, I think it was just that, that sort of futuristic take on what a computer will be able to do in the future. Yeah. And also the funny thing about it was too that um, it wasn't sort of like you, you didn't dwell on the violence. It was very quick in certain areas. It was implied mm. a lot of the time. Yeah. You Except for the, the scene with the boars, obviously. Yeah. But like you said, you could tell as they were working their way up to the ending and then kaboom. And then mm. the ending, by the way, is not even more than, I think, 10 minutes, Jay. Maybe a little yeah. bit over. It wasn't long. And the payoffs are all there. And you see everyone get their comeuppance. That was really bad to him. Mm. And he's sort of standing. He's not standing. He's sort of hovering over the over the, the church a bit. And I, I, I have to assume he's on wires in some way, shape or form. Oh, yeah. But... Um, he has a sword, which we see at the very start of the movie that the Esteban character has. Yes. He suddenly has that in his hand, folks, and he dispatches several of them with the sword. Um, most right. of the others, uh, it's it's other things or it's it's fire or something like that. And in the case of the custodian that he deals with when he first starts to find the place, he inadvertently kills him and hides his body in the back of the, the temple. Well, one of the boys is trying to hide from all the commotion and it reanimates... The custodian who who then dispatches him. Yeah, very, he was the last good. one left, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was it was it was one of the worst ones. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. they really did like in in those films and ripped and, his heart out. Yeah, and in those films that whenever you get those really bitchy, whether it's bitchy women or arsehole kind of <laughs> guys, you know you know it's a horror movie. You know they're going to cop it worse yeah. than the others. Yeah. And so we're all sitting here waiting for this guy to see what happens <laughs> to him. Yeah. And maybe they were implying he was heartless to begin with. I don't know, but it's sort <laughs> yeah. of the punishment fits the crime in this case, and yeah. that worked really well. But no, I have to say, like like our last movie review, it's worth taking a look. I really do. Yeah, it's, actually, there was a there was a bit of an epilogue text that says that Stanley yeah. survived the attack. Yeah, then he was um, put in the asylum. The asylum, yeah, yeah, which was interesting. But um, but it's what's it say at the end there? The it last... says that he will return. Stanley Cooper Smith will return. I will return. So yeah, it's implied. It's implied. Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. I think it's. Um, I don't know. Would you would you classify this as one of those horror movies that was so bad it was good, or would you say it's actually not bad? 50-50. Yeah. I really would put it in the middle. I really would. It wasn't terrible. I'll say that mm. out loud. It was not terrible. No, no. Um, I definitely think the whole Commodore 64 thing was a bit of a fluke, but like you said, just capitalising on that. Mm. But I do think it makes it stand out more as a result of that. Yes. Well, you think about how many revenge kind of horror movies there were of that time period. Mm. We probably, if we had a look, we'd probably find a dozen, I reckon, plus. Yeah. But of that period, it's the thing that most people still remember. Is that the one with the Commodore 64? Yeah. You know, that's that's what a lot of people of that period would remember. Definitely. Because I do know for a fact, any time I've heard horror directors talk, they always say the same thing. You want your movie to stand out, especially yeah. during that time period when there were so many made. Yeah. And what's unique about it? What's going to make it 
stand out if you're going to make more money than the other film so yeah. even on the on the poster itself the computer is implied yeah yeah and the cover actually has a lot a little bit of technology sort of focus so you see the guy there using a computer with a bit of a demon with the red eyes again another common feature in the background sort of behind some bytes and uh, characters that would represent the binary sort of on and off sort of pattern uh, and the text font is also a very early 80s um, computer text sort of font but the title of the yeah. actual movie is done more like a gothic kind of vibe whereas... half, half gothic half um, computer yeah, yes so... I, that was really cool I like that and and the actual evil speak name sort of um, pays tribute to computer speak you know the terminology computer speak which refers to you know text so I think that they are definitely trying to imply that technology focus into the horror movie. Um, but the cover itself doesn't, you know, reek of horror, does it? No, it doesn't. It's not. It's just, Subtle. It, yes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, and that sometimes I think that's a good thing. If you over overdo it, mm. it can play both ways. And they didn't overdo it with the cover, which is smart. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, look, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I did too. I mean, like I said, worth checking out. I definitely mm. would recommend people to check it out just for the sake of saying they saw it. But um, like I said, um, we're trying to do some different films for a change. We're trying to look at films that most people would not have heard of, and I definitely think this fits that criteria. Yeah. We're just going to try and find some more for you. Yeah, if you don't mind. Something with a different plot, a bit of blood and guts, something different, a bit of tech thrown in there, check it out. I think you'll like it. Well, I'm Ben. I'm Jay. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, Retro Guardians, and hopefully you, you've enjoyed talking, uh, hearing us talk, and hopefully you'll hear us talk again. Absolutely, and don't forget to follow us on uh, Facebook, Retro Guardians Podcast, so you can keep up to date with what we're up to. And we can hear from you. Um, drop us a line on Messenger or something, let us know what you like, what you want to hear, or if you want to chat to us on one of the um, episodes looking for special guests. So um, like to speak with you if you're interested. All right. I hope you've enjoyed us, and hopefully we'll hear from you again, and you'll hear us soon. Have a good one. See ya. Retro Guardians.